What's up, everyone? Welcome to a brand new edition of Nerd Thug Radio. That's right, we are back. It is 2023, and we are here hanging out. This is Corey DLG, and with me, as always, is producer Nico. That's um, me. That, that is you. I didn't even wait. I'm sorry. I'm an unprofessional, selfish Mike Hogg. I like the airtime, you know? That's fair. That's understandable. It is. It is. Uh, all right, guys. We, uh, you know, we've been airing reruns the last little bit, just hanging out, getting everything. We, the holidays, there was just, it just felt like a good time to take a little break. But now we're back, hanging out, doing the Nerd Thug thing. So, first of all, I want to thank everybody for hanging out and enjoying us on this Thursday day. Uh, it's early, it's early still, but you know what? It's almost Friday, which makes it officially the weekend. So, you made it. It's over, it's done. Uh, just round up. That's that's the rule of almost everything. Just round up. So, Nico, can you think of a time you don't round up if you're not a doctor? Uh, no. I think it's pretty much always. There it is. There it is. It's official. Today's the weekend. Uh, okay. So a lot going on, but let's start off as we always do. Nico, how you been, man? I've been good. This is we we've come into this new year on a I think a positive note. So uh, I'm doing well. I I know that you might be feeling a little bit of the opposite, but that's okay. We will recover. Oh my gosh! Oh my gosh! Uh I woke up last night to I'm gonna call it an explosion. Uh, I woke up last night to an explosion of back pain. Uh. Crippling, nearly. Like I couldn't, I couldn't take a breath. Uh, and if I didn't live in a very small apartment, I probably wouldn't have been able to navigate to my pain medication. I literally used the wall as like a third leg. Like I, it was, it was amazing. Like okay, I'm not. Um, Nico can back me up on this. I'm not a fragile. Well, I don't know. I've broken a lot of bones. I don't feel like a fragile person. I feel pretty sturdy. Um. But I also have a very high pain threshold, I feel like. I think that that's a fair thing to say about me. I don't, you know, everyone has a way they think of themselves, and everyone else is always like, really, you, you think you're street bike tough? Like, you're not. Nico, would you say that I have a high pain tolerance, Nico? I mean, there's no real way of telling you, but, I mean, you've been in enough things where I'm like, eh, that would probably, like, put me out for a week. Like, I just got my wisdom teeth out, and I'm, I was like a grouch for three days because I couldn't. Does it hurt so bad? <laughs> I have heard it hurts really bad, though. So I do want to give you full credit. Uh, the Captain Joey Savage, he got his out. And uh, he had, like, a domestic situation with it. Because, like, his wife kind of bailed on him for it. She, like, went out of town and left him with the kids and blah, blah, blah. So he had to, like, power through. And then when she got hers out, she, like, she commented. She was like, I feel so bad for, for bailing on you when you got yours out. Because this hurts so much. So, I... Uh, Independent sources say that it's okay if you were in a little bit of pain there. Yeah. <laughs> Sourced independently. Yeah. The back so, pain is like the most chronic illness in all of humanity, so thanks for walking yeah. upright. Really, really screwed us over there. Well, ugh. Man, I, I swear it was such a, like, I couldn't take a deep breath. Like, taking a breath to get my lungs to, like, open up to take a deep breath hurt. Like, it was impressive. I, I... I was blown away, but so it was just, it was, um, 
Okay, even when I broke bones and people would be like, a scale of 1 to 10, like, like how painful is it right now? I'd be like, yeah, it's like a 6 or like a 7. Like, it hurts. Uh, but, you know, the, the body does its thing. You go into shock. Like, you kind of numb it out. Just don't look at it and you'll be okay kind of a deal. Yeah. Um, this was like a 9. Like, legitimately towards the top of the scale. Uh, I really... I blame all the nerves in your back for that. <laughs> I, I blame everything. I don't know. I don't know who's at fault. Everyone's going to crushing get it. the crushing weight of the universe finally got to you. <laughs> yeah, we'll go mob style here. And just everyone's gonna get it. I, I, it was holy smokes. Okay, I, I, yeah, it was bad, painful, but uh, I made it to the pain medicine. Took more than I'm supposed to of my strongest brand. And uh, then I made it back to the bed and just worked on my breathing for the next hour until I could calm down enough to where it's kind of just tamed to like a nice dull ache. And then I, I rolled over and went to sleep. And today it's just it's just felt bruisey, for lack of a better word. Just, I mean, it just really... I don't know what it was. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Again, the crushing weight of the universe finally getting to your soul. Like, that's that's what it's got to be. Either that or your mattress sucks. But you got a new mattress not that long. No, no, no. this is like... a new mattress, and it's awesome. Like I, I bought one that I really like. Uh, the weirdest thing you can ever do when you buy something, you usually want to know if it works or not. So when you go to the mattress store, <laughs> you try out mattresses. It is weird. Um. They definitely seem like fronts for money laundering. I'm not going to lie to you, homie. Well, I know. In the, in the place I went to, I mean, they have stores everywhere. I won't say the name. They do. They have stores everywhere. But one of my buddies is their top salesman. Um, top five, like, in the state. Uh, like, he, he moves mattresses and beds How many and people that. are looking for mattresses? I feel like that number can't be that high. But I guess so everyone I, sleeps. So, like, maybe. So, yeah, kind of. So, that's kind of the bit, right? Like, everyone sleeps. You're always moving. There's always things happening. People, anytime you like make a post where you're like, hey, we're upgrading bed and we've got this gently used two-year-old mattress. Does anyone want it? Almost always somebody knows someone who wants it. So, yeah, he does like a million dollars in sales every year. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My maybe my I friend, should, maybe I should get into mattress sales. I mean, I, man, I don't. He knows he knows his stuff. I give him full credit. I went in. I said, I said, hey man, I you know I got. He said, I've got work some the magic. Money. Sell me a mattress. Yeah, I did. I said, listen, I'm counting on you to do a deal for me here. I said, but I've got I've got some cash and um, and you tell me what we're doing here. And he was like, all right, let's see what the limit on your credit is for this. And I was like, whoa, let's. I'm not buying like a nine thousand dollar bed, and he was like, he was like, oh, okay, all right, what's the number? So I gave him the number, and it, I thought it was a reasonable number, and he was like, all right, let's start. And then he basically kind of walks me over to like the, their like in store brand, like the low version of all their stuff, the great value mattress here. Yeah, kind of. But he was like, look, they're made by our company; they are still good quality, et cetera, et cetera. You know, he does a salesman thing. But so yeah, then I'm laying on these different beds. He's like, "All right, I'm gonna have my I'm gonna have uh, my coworker take care of you. I got some people I got to call and stuff." I was like, "Yeah, yeah, cool." So I have to talk to this. Well, I don't have to. I guess I could have ignored her, but that would have been weirder. But so yeah, I, I like 
I'm talking to this saleswoman for the next 40 minutes while I'm laying on these different beds. It's kind of a weird experience buying a mattress. Test driving the mattresses. Like, hold on. Let me see how much. <laughs> let me see the nap energy here. Ma- ma'am, can I get you to jump up and down on this bed with me? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, like it's, hey, it's. Excuse me. What's the? Do you have the stats on this? How how many yeah. how many springs is this? Yeah. What what are we doing here? And then I felt weird. Okay, so I've always had a mattress with the box spring because I'm a caveman. Mm-hmm. And so this one I bought, it's 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 a newer model. It's got the support built into it. It's got all that type of stuff. So like, it's only the mattress, but it has everything inside of it. That's and weird. so it is a little weird because there's no box spring. And so at first, like as I was looking at him and there's not a box spring, I was like, cool, cool. So I texted my mom and I was like, hey, you have bought like a, a ton of mattresses over the years. And she's like, yeah, yeah. I said, um, do they always have box springs? Because I'm looking at one that I really like, but it doesn't, it doesn't come with a box spring. It's just going to come with a bed frame. And she was like, she was like, no, the newer ones really don't do box springs anywhere near as much. A lot of it's like adjustable or mechanical or things of that nature. I was like, okay, all right, okay. So I do. I have this really great mattress. I, I enjoy it. I got to pick. There was like three or five firmness options. I got to like I. It's it's a good mattress. Um, it had nothing. I don't think. I don't know, man. And I've had it for a year and a half now. Yeah, it's pretty brand new by mattress standards, considering yeah. mattresses are either, like, a year old or, like, two centuries old. <laughs> that, is, that is exactly how they, like, it's either moved with you seven times or it's never going anywhere because it's going straight to the dumpster when you move out. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's fair. So, I, I don't think the mattress is the culprit. I don't know, man. I, anything could be, though. Honestly, anything could be. It could be anything. Um, all right, so some interesting, some funny, some interesting things that have happened um, since we left. One of the ones I do want to talk about is the Chrisleys going to jail. Oh, man, this happened a while ago, but I just, it's the funniest thing on the planet to me. It's, uh, okay, okay, for those who don't know, what was the name of the show, like Keeping It Chrisley or something? I don't know. Uh, I think anyway, it was like Keeping Up With The Chrisleys or something like that. Uh, it, I, I don't know. So they had their own reality show, and that's where most of America was introduced to them. They were the owners of a store, like a department store brand. And the department store folded. And they, this is what's interesting. So they're based out of Atlanta. It's, it's, it's the Chrisleys. It's Todd Chrisley and his wife. Subaru, I don't know, some very southern lady name, uh, and then their their kids, the son, and then the daughter's name is Savannah, and I always remember her because she's very attractive and she does the Instagram thing. It's like I remember her, but I don't remember the rest of their names. Chris Chrisley, no, that's the governor. Yeah, it's Todd Chrisley. So Todd Chrisley is the owner of the department stores. Uh, he took a loan against them as they were failing, and then he also took a loan against some property. And so he borrowed about six or seven million dollars from the banks, and then went into Chapter Eleven bankruptcy to try and get out of paying those loans. And he did all of that while debuting a reality TV show on TBS or TNT, whatever it was, USA, about how basically how they're like 
rich, bougie Southerners. Um, so the first episode, they're kind of doing like a cribs type thing where they're introducing you to everyone, and they're walking you through the wife's closet, and they point out several things. They, she basically has about $30,000 worth of clothes in her closet. Well, in bankruptcy court, where they were listing their assets, they list their clothes total between the whole family is something like $1,000 in value. So, right away, if you're paying attention, there's already a little bit of uh, interesting accounting going on in the Chrisley household. So He's out here using, like, thrift store math. Yeah, yeah. So, it goes on for... The show goes on for quite a while. It's been six or seven, seven or eight years. And there's a kid who doesn't really participate in the show, but their children do. So, like, there's these small children walking around in the show, too. The grandma's involved in the show. Uh, but finally, the just the slow creep of justice catches up with them. They were arrested for fraud and tax evasion and some other stuff. Like, two, like right before the pandemic, I want to say. And the show actually got renewed right before they got charged. So the cameras follow them around for about half of that first year before all parties agree to just shut it down because it's such a just mess. That's got to be the best part of like Andy. Like imagine you're like your whole job, you're the you're the film crew of this this rich annoying southern family and then like like you just get to see the world just unravel before their very eyes and you get to watch it in first person in real time. <laughs> yeah, it definitely like it's got to be I was going to say fulfilling. That's not a nice way to say it, but maybe it is like really fulfilling to like watch them go through this where you're just like, yes. It's got to be at least satisfying. Like it's some so, like primal like, to be, sense of like, like these people have been lying to you for years. You, you've been walking around filming these entitled twats for like just, <laughs> yeah, I, it's got to, this sounds really mean, but it's got to feel a little good. I can't argue that. It's really, it probably does. It probably does feel pretty good. So, <laughs> man, that was a mean thing. We just, that's all right. So anyway, the the uh, the husband and the wife, Todd Chrisley and his wife, Subaru, they got sentenced to, uh, to prison, both of them. Multiple, like three years and six years in prison. Yeah, now that it's all said and done, finally. Here's what. Here's what I'm kind of. I don't know. This is where like weird money crimes always trip me up. Because while they did just charge the FTX guy with fraud, it took them a long time to decide to do that. And I feel like if in the middle of all that he had paid people back, he wouldn't have been charged at all. Yeah, but he was never going to pay people back. That's the difference. Well, it was a huge amount of money. I mean, I, I acknowledge that. But I feel like the Chrisleys were in a position where they could have paid people back. Or they were just living way above their means. Well, but, I mean, even just the reality show part, like, there's no way they weren't making at least a million dollars a year. Yeah, but if you, you know, if you're defrauding the government over $10 million, a million dollar a year, you're still not even covering it because you still got to pay for all your, all the stuff you have not, you're, that you're still paying for. 
Yeah, but I don't know. I think you maybe can make those loans go away. That's a big part of it too. I mean, maybe. I mean, look, I'm no, I'm no Instagram uh, math man. <laughs> where you know everything's theoretically infinite if you just keep getting loans. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Like, yes, they they clearly couldn't or didn't want to. I don't know. I'm not sure which is the right answer there. They or feel just like thought the they would just people. never get caught. I don't know. Yeah, they kind of they kind of make me think they're those kind of people who were like, "What's the worst thing that could happen?" And it's like, well, the worst thing that could happen is you go to prison. And they're like, "No, no, 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 no. What's the worst thing that could happen to us?" And people were like, "Oh, prison. prison. I think. Yeah, I think it's prison still." And they're like, "No, no, 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 no." So I, yeah, it's a tough. It's a. I'm a little surprised they didn't pay their way out of it. I Listen, back in the day, people would just buy their way out of this kind of trouble. In the good old days, people used to just buy their way out of this, you know? Yeah, back when back when you walked uphill both ways. I get it. I, you see a lot of people go to prison for things that you... Like, okay, I'll never understand Wesley Snipes going to jail when he has an accountant. Because he went to jail for tax evasion. Yeah, that seems like an you'd throw the accountant in jail. But like the same thing after, happened to like Steve Harvey, like cuz it was he he owed the IRS some like 200 million dollars or like something like that cuz his accountant just didn't pay his taxes for 7 was years. Ne- yeah, was never paying his taxes. Yeah. But now, he just died. He didn't even know that cuz his accountant just died and he was it was someone in his office that was like, "Uh, we have a problem." Well, and and even that, I would say, is a little different. Like, you could, I guess, so, like, I guess the difference is that Wesley Simes knew, or I don't see, and here's the thing. If your accountant came to you and was like, if you move the money this way, this way, you don't have to pay taxes on it. I would take his word for that. Yeah, and they went an, after him because that's what I'm he paying did. him to do this for me. Right. And that's what they, they went after Wesley Simes because they were like, he should have known that he should have paid taxes on it. And it's like, sorry, if this guy specializes in moving money around, like, that's his bit. I mean, oh, I think maybe that's what they said, is he's purposely got this accountant because he knew he specialized in not paying taxes. And it's like, well, I mean, if if he's legal and walking around on the street and that's his bit, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, how is that, how is that my fault that you hired someone that was perfect, that was already there? Like, he should have been in jail. Right, right. You can't put this on me. This has got to be on y'all. Um... But they put it on him. And I'm with you, like, yeah, Steve Harvey, I remember hearing that story, and he had, he had to, he had to, like, I think they're even now, but it took it took him, like, three years. I mean, that's why he took all these extra jobs and stuff, too, right? Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that sucks. Like, and then imagine it's on your, like, your best earning years. Because, like, the Kings of Comedy stuff was probably the most Steve Harvey's ever made in his lifetime. You just have to, like, just eat taxes on, like, the best years of your life, and you're making nowhere near that. Uh, yeah, and now you have to pay them, and you got to pay the penalties and the interest now? So forget, like, okay, let's say that they only made $15 million that year. Between the DVDs and the tour, I even had the DVDs. Like, between the DVDs and the tour, it was there's still a four-way split. There's still production costs, blah, blah, blah. Let's say it's $15 million. That means he owes, you know, six million in taxes, and then if he's based in California, that's there's another two million like in state taxes. 
So then the following two years, let's stagger it down. Let's say 10 and 8. So yeah, all of a sudden, he's at like $17, 18000000 million in taxes. And then, then you find out you didn't pay it for five or six years. So penalties, interest, all of that, plus whatever you earned those last few. You could be up to like $24 million real quick. I think he and said then, it was like I think I said two hundred. I think he's a twenty-two. I think is the 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 number. I would. I mean, that sound. I mean, yeah. I totally. That does not surprise me at all. Just the way it just compounds after it, once the ball is rolling, it is hard to make it stop. Kevin Hart had the same problem. Um, when he did his first special, they gave him a million dollar check, but he had gone basically from doing stand up to doing this special. So he'd been living hand to mouth, hand to mouth, hand to mouth never paying taxes because he probably lived under the threshold, honestly. Uh, and then all of a sudden, boom, here's a million dollar check. And he, he spent it all. And then the IRS came for their, you know, their 40% and he didn't have it. And so it took him two or three years to get enough, to make enough money to pay off that, that tax bill. I mean, that's, that just, that's what happened. And, it happens at every level. Like when, when it's it's interesting to hear athletes talk about taxes because you know their agent just comes to them and just goes, just chop half. Like whatever you think your check is, you have half that. Because like, everyone signed, goes, first you got taxes, that's half right there. And it's like, yeah, it's 35% is the highest tax bracket. But yeah, there's half. There's half right there. Absolutely. Well, you just, you just account for half. If someone says, hey, you signed a $20 million deal, it's like, great, I got $10 million. <laughs> I got $10 million. And then my agent gets some, my lawyer gets some, and I got to pay mama, and then, then I got the rest. I got $4 million. <laughs> I got $4 million. Uh, <laughs> that man. Woof. Woof. Uh, it, is, it is weird how like it all gets chopped away. I remember when Phil Mickelson... Famously made a comment like, "How do you, how do you, how do you stay rich in California?" Um, but you know, people didn't have sympathy for him because he was a guy earning roughly a hundred million dollars. But he probably was paying in raw money, probably you know, twenty-eight to thirty million dollars in taxes. And he's like, "How much?" <laughs> Enough, a lot. How how much? Uh. But yeah, so the Chrisleys went to jail, and I was just... And the world was a better place. I, I really was fascinated by it. I, I I found them to already be obnoxious and to be the kind of people that make everything else a little bit worse because of the way they're like... I don't know. The way they sort of just value and flaunt this sort of... I don't, know, I don't know a nice way to say it. Like, they're just really kind of the people they, where you're sort of like, they you're glad they're like the weird, very white, southern, like, pseudo, quote-unquote, royalty that, like, was A, self-appointed, and B, still felt very much, like, I don't want to say, like, racist, but racist. Uh, The show was super white for being so modern. Right. It was like, like for being in Atlanta... For having a daughter named Savannah, the number of black people they bump into was surprisingly low. The answer um, was almost zero. <laughs> I I spent some time in Alabama in o two o three or in Atlanta and Alabama both. And every time I would be in Atlanta, I mean, you don't you you absolutely see black people. They're Atlanta's a, a predominantly not predominant. I think it's probably I don't know. It's probably sixty percent black. Honestly, that would be predominantly. It, but black people are everywhere in Atlanta and. Somehow, 
in the Chrisley show, you never saw any. So maybe, yeah, you might be right. There, there might be. Like, I'm not making any accusations, like, definitively. I'm just saying, like, it felt that seeing way. it. <laughs> yeah. And it did, It you know what, after you said it, it does sound, like, it did feel that way. So, I'm going to give you full credit for that. Um, but, yeah, it, them going to jail was fascinating to me. I was, I was intrigued by the idea that, like, because they really were portraying this, like, level of wealth. And you can fake it to you. I mean, obviously you can fake it to you make it. We know that. But six years of faking it, and they still couldn't pay their taxes. Like I don't, I don't know. Some of it felt weird. Uh, so I really enjoyed them. I, I really enjoyed them getting punished and going to jail. I finally was like, somebody is getting what they deserve. There we go. All right, look at that. One of the um, favorite, one of my favorite moments for twenty twenty two. Chrisley's finally getting what they deserved. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Jail time. <laughs> jail time. And now the other two, like, they had spinoff shows. Chase. The kid's name was Chase. There it is. Chase and Savannah had spinoff shows. And I believe they both got canceled in the wake of the prison sentence. Yeah. I mean, man, how, imagine if they weren't. And, like, they quickly turned into, like, them dealing with the stresses of their parents going to jail. Man, well, I would like, pay for that. And what if they were still living richly somehow? Like, wouldn't you start to have questions at that point, too? Like, where? Where did the money, like, where's this money coming from? Like, the grandmother. She's been laundering the money the whole time. And and I'm sure they stashed money away. I'm sure they gave money to each of them before they went to. You, there's no way their lawyers weren't like, listen, no matter how we try this, you're probably going to jail. Because there's two kinds of cases, right? There's cases you fight, and then there's cases you stall as long as possible. And this one dragged out for three years, so... Yeah, they're not getting out of it. They just they needed as much time as possible. Yeah, and I think that I'm sure that they use that time to hide assets and move money around. It makes me think of uh, the Trump organization getting in trouble in New York and then just starting a new Trump organization. Did you they hear said, about that? They, they said the first. They said the Trump New York Attorney big. General. Yeah, they go from Trump Org One to Trump Org Two. And the Attorney General was like, we're going to freeze assets. Like, this is getting stupid. Like, <laughs> We're not going to do that. And they're like, I can't believe you've done this to me. Again, that's every that's every single... Oh, man. That's my favorite thing on Instagram is always people just... Every, every single market money man that's like, I'm a genius... All you got to do is is open an LLC and you're, you're scot-free. Just get a, a million-dollar business loan buy everything and then don't pay any taxes on it. It's like what you have to pay this back eventually. You know that, right? <laughs> well, but here's the weird sad part. If you leverage it all up correctly and then it goes under or then you get sued 3 years later, they are correct that you're protected. And I think that's what they're trying to protect you from, not the bankruptcy part. I think they're trying to protect you from like criminal liability for like negligence. You could because that's always every rich person's fear is getting sued for like their wealth. Yeah. Oh, my kid fell down and broke their arm in your yard. You owe me a million dollars. And so I think that's the bigger complaint or issue. Terrible. But I do I do always laugh at the infinite wealth guys. Although by all accounts it's worked for them so far. Well, that's because we've been we've been on we've been on cloud nine. It's not like the economy's doing super hot right now. <laughs> yeah, no, and that is true. Like they lived, 
you know, we keep doing these bubbles, right? Like, so from 08 to now, we were, or from 08 till about last year, we were living in what they called like a free money period where the interest rates were so low that these loans, it, it was more, it was more worth it to borrow the money than to keep yeah. the money. Well, if, so yeah, like, cause it's like, if it, I think it's like the numbers like four or 3%, it's like, who cares? Cause if you put something that's, that's. You put it in something that appreciates 6% a year. Cool, you made 3% every year forever. Right, exactly. And so that's what those people were doing is, you know, you would see some guy who'd be like, oh, you know, I I owe, I pay I pay $16 million every year to the bank, but I make $28 million every year from the bank. And it's like, okay, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I would, I would probably do the same for $12 million, but I also would probably use a lot of that money to pay down my debt. But maybe they don't. Maybe they just keep infinite moneying it. I mean, I don't know. They keep taking loans against it until the property value goes down, and they go, what happened? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, and then at that point, all the cash that they have doesn't matter. Well, I don't know. You're still locked in on those older loans with the lower rates, but... Not if you refinance them every time. <laughs> no, I know. But even then, like at some point, you just don't... Re- right? Like you go to refinance, and you're like, the interest rate is how much now? Okay, never mind. I'll just keep the old loan. And then you just don't get to keep taking... Eventually, you get stuck with whatever you have at that point, I suppose. Exactly. And then you just hope you keep them rented out. <laughs> you, pray to, you pray to God nothing goes wrong, because as soon as it does, you are leveraged to oblivion. <laughs> yeah, like, I hope you saved that first $12 million you made, because you're going to need some cash. Um, yeah, I don't... I mean, I don't know. But those people are crazier and smarter than me, because I've never once been like, let's just infinite borrow our way out of this. Probably because uh, it's not a good idea. <laughs> no, no, I, I wouldn't say so either. Um, so it is January of 2023. I'm excited. I've got some projects in the works, and hopefully, some of them will be coming. Some of them will be hitting the mailboxes by the end of this month. I think that's what we're on pace for right now. I said that initially Thanksgiving being way too optimistic, and then the holidays basically just. <laughs> just slowed everything to a grind. Uh, but the letter is finishing up the last issue of Another Day at the Office, finishing up that mini series. And everyone's hard at work at DMA as well. Ulysses is cranking out like some of the prettiest pages I've ever seen in my life. And so I have a couple. Uh, I use globalcomics.com as my place to like host. Uh, the digital copies of my comic books. And you and I had a conversation. Currently, mine is set up that the first issue of each book is free to read. But to read the following issues, you need to be a paid member of Global Comics. I'm starting to think that I may change that. And I wanted to... We talked about this a little bit off-air the other day, but I wanted to kind of get you on the air and see what you thought. I think that there's a bigger marketing benefit if I make them free and just let people read them. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think that's the I think that's the way to go. I mean, like, it's very comparable to something like music streaming, right? Where like, oh, you got to have SoundCloud Plus or whatever, Sound or Spotify Premium to not have ads or whatever. And so, but like those artists get paid so little per view, but also like they get hundreds and billions of plays. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, because I'm not at that economy yet. Like, we're I'm yeah. nowhere near. You're the, not. You're not in the. You're not in the macro range here. 
And no. so I think if people just want to read these stories, I think making them free is just the best way to do it. And if you want to be a part of the creation of them, they're the Kickstarters. They're, yeah, and that's and I think that that's probably a good way to do it. I think. And it also gives you access to be like, look, if you if you want to read my other stuff before you commit to this, look at all the stuff I have made. Yeah, and that was that was why I really so when the DMA Kickstarter was going on for issue three, I I posted a link to a lot of the posts where I was like, if you don't know me, if you don't know my work, you can read the first issue of DMA for free, and I put the link up for Global Comics, and a lot of people went to it and checked it out and. I got something like a thousand individual new reads during that campaign. So I was really happy. That was a big number. I was really happy with that. That didn't translate though to like uh, page pays. So if I've got to be over a thousand to get the page pays, then I, I probably should change the number until I get to something bigger. Um, yeah. When you got a billion, when you got a billion monthly readers, Corey, let me know. <laughs> I do have a goal this year. I have a number that I've written down. I'm debating whether or not to make it public. But I do have a number written down for what I want from a number of followers from Global Comics. Good old Global Comics. It is a neat service, though. It's kind of like a almost a... I guess not Webtoons, but... I I compare it more to Comixology. Doesn't Comixology Uh, not exist anymore? uh, No, it does. It's just kind of really poorly ran. Because it got bought by Amazon, and now it's... They just ignored it and let it die because Amazon's so good at taking care of everything. Uh, well, at first, that's what they were doing, and everyone loved it because pe- Comixology had really kind of tailored themselves to the point that their user base was happy with Comixology. Um, but then Amazon kind of re-engaged with Comixology and started redesigning it and reformatting it to better fit Amazon. And they changed basically all the functionality of the program. And there was like a small revolt on on Twitter. And I think from that is what birthed the idea for someone to start Global Comics, which is which is a website. And now a lot of the smaller publishers are on there now, Um, like the Boom Scout type size of publisher. Mm -hmm. I think Dark Horse is the biggest one who's moved over. Um, That's a pretty big one. I'll be honest. That is that is a big one. Um but that's sort of what's happened now is now there's some uh, I think this I think I saw 5000 or 4000 like comics posted to global comics now so there's a large number of things to check out at first that number was kind of disheartening to me but then I was like no cuz people read stuff all the time so like having that number is a good thing right and also you know american comic books is a very different industry than it was a long time ago it's kind of yeah, weird it's, it's really changed a lot <laughs> it really had the, the pandemic was really the, the first big domino uh with diamond just basically leaving everyone high and dry for four months imagine just giving up imagine being the biggest company in your industry and just being like no well it really <sighs> we've like, had this conversation hundreds <laughs> of times but diamond really was like a cap on the industry like it kept comics small uh, because I firmly believe that because I think if I were if I were running Diamond, I would have spent the last 30 years trying to get comic books in as many places as possible because my cut is a percentage of, of the cover price. So the more copies we sell, the better off I am. Instead, they really basically just 
kind of filtered to the stores, and they made the stores basically almost like uh, Diamond franchises, kind of. Like, a, a lot of stores only order from Diamond, and therefore they were all kind of carrying the same 50 things, but nobody was putting comic books in other places. And that, to me, is kind of the big sin of comic books, is that there, there hadn't been anybody for the last 30 years really pushing them to get them in other places. And that's obnoxious to me. Like, after they came out of Target in, in Walmarts in the early 2000s, and by the way, uh, for the record, that was kind of Image's fault because of books like Witchblade and stuff that they put up on the shelves... In the in, in in kids got them, and kids got a hold of them, and the parents were like, "What is going on here?" Because those books are really teen friendly and up. Um, and so then Walmart was like, "Wait, if I have to moderate who looks at what, then I'm not even going to mess with this," which is true because I mean they're three dollar items back then. Yeah, they're they're not Walmart's not worried about their eight sales they were going to do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, even if even if they only sold a few a day, that's not enough traffic to make Walmart. Well, it's the same thing with the Pokemon, right? The second it got violent to sell Pokemon cards, they just said, "Okay, never mind, we won't do it anymore." Yeah, and now and now they're coming back to the stores. Nature is healing. They, well, I mean, because and maybe in different ways they're not, but because they have a good distributor, of course they're coming back to the stores. The distributor is like, "Hey, Walmart, you're the biggest retailer. Like, how do we fix this?" Um. Yeah. Well, Walmart you, themselves, a lot of a lot of the stores had to just have different like store policies, like stuff like limits per customer, like or put them in like the locked cabinets. Yeah, like their cigarettes or something. It's nuts, man. It is nuts. But well, I mean, it they got brutal out there. It was a big year for collectibles, and in, and then in the same breath, it has been a bad year for collectibles because everything's gone back down. <laughs> To right. reasonable well, prices. Well, that was because, you know, with the supply chain messed up, everybody kind of panicked for a minute and everything was worth a million dollars. And now it's kind of all come back down to earth because people remembered that there's still a world out there. Um, I, I don't want to, I don't want to spend, I don't want to do a whole episode on diamonds, the, the worst, but it just feels like they never actually, Wanted to be part of the solution to growing comic books. They were the fat cat. They didn't have to. Because I would have... Listen, if I'd have been the new sales guy... I always think about this when I'm the new... Like, if I have a company and I'm not constantly pushing my sales team to constantly grow, then I'm I'm not doing a good job as a, as a sale... Like, I'm not doing a good job as a manager of a sales team. Um... And, and CarMax is actually who taught me that. When I worked at CarMax, they were Fortune 500 to work for. They hung up banners because they were very proud of that. But they also worked on constantly improving the salespeople. And what I mean by that is you had to listen. You were, your manager was obligated to sit with you once a month to um, to listen to your recorded phone calls, to go over them with you, and then also... They were obligated to kind of check your numbers all the time. And anytime you, like, if you went four days without moving a couple cars, they would kind of sit down with you. Hey, man, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Do you need to, do we need to help you with something? Is it, what What's happening here? They were always doing that. 
And so, to me, that's a company who is focused on their bottom line, and they want to keep growing their sales. So then when I would get other places, and I would find out they use a sales force to move their product, and then you would find out stuff like, oh, they don't record the phone calls. Oh, they don't coach the sales team up. The sales manager doesn't sit down with you and go over your numbers and talk about sales methods and stuff like that. Uh, All of a sudden, I kind of have questions. Yeah, you're like, why aren't you doing all these things that are clearly positive net benefits to everyone? Right. So if if I'm Diamond Comics and I've got a sales guy, it wouldn't be a huge number, but I would have some goal of your... Your monthly sales always need to be higher than they were the month before. And on top of that, I, I would expect to see annually some sort of 10, 15% growth. You know, now from that, if you're getting commission, you should be thrilled because I'm pushing you to make more money. Um, but I'm pushing you because you're you're trying to build new deals, right? Like you're reaching out to movie theaters you're reaching out to toy stores or something. I mean, you're constantly trying to find new ways to put comics out there somewhere. Um, you're reaching, you're reaching out to like sunglass huts and asking if they want to put like a little rack on their kiosks at Walmart or in the mall or something. You know what I mean? Like push, like try stuff. Um, but instead, these guys did nothing, and I don't, I don't know. Like I just, I feel like, I feel like that's the the cardinal sin of the comic book industry is that they at no point in time were they ever pushing to grow. And I, and I want to be clear. I am not one of those skies falling types. The comic industry is growing. The number, the sales are increasing, but they're not, but they're doing it in spite of diamond, not because of diamond. There are more comic readers than ever before. And that's because there's comic book content everywhere. And there are interesting things everywhere that make you go, oh, that's actually based on a comic. And you go, oh, really? Oh, interesting. And then you go check them out. And there's new concepts coming up all the time. These small publishers are really pushing these great ideas. But the one guy who could have made it so easy to grow comic books and did nothing was Diamond. Classic big monopolies. And this is why there's laws against them. They just didn't use them. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're just... This one was a natural monopoly. I don't know how that works, legally speaking. Like, you can't make a competitor stay in business. I mean, I get. I don't know. I don't. I don't much. I always kind of wonder that sometimes. Like, what do you do when everyone else just fails? Like, is that is that your fault? Like, <laughs> sorry, um, get better. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, what do you do there? Uh, so, we do pop culture here all the time. By the way, uh, the Bad Batch is back. Oh, launching. Man. I've, never, Launching, I've, I've only ever seen like bits and pieces of it. I don't know, Nico. This is right up. I mean, it is good. I don't know why. Like, what are you waiting for? I don't have Disney Plus. I don't even know how to watch it. <laughs> Wait, what? What? This is first of all. That's weird to me on a couple levels because Disney Plus of all the streamers is the best value. Is it? Well, I don't, yeah, not if I, I don't for, care about everything they give me. Well, but even I don't I don't know about that because for thirteen bucks, you get Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN, or half of ESPN or whatever it is. A third of ESPN, something I don't know. I don't I don't quite understand the ESPN app because 
some of the stuff it tells me I can't watch. Some of the stuff it tells me I can't. I don't know. But that's different. That's a different. That's neither here nor there. For thirteen or fourteen bucks, you get Disney Plus, Hulu, and portions of ESPN Plus. So, like to me, you're already in the game at that price point. Because I think Netflix is twenty dollars. So, I mean, you're clearly doing better than most people. It's clearly the worst one. And at this point, there's enough stuff on Disney Plus that you could stay distracted. Like, until the new stuff comes out. I don't know. I guess. Uh, I don't know. But anyway, Bad Batch is back, marching, marking the first new nerd media of 2023. And there's going to be a bunch this year. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 looks pretty awesome. Uh, Avatar 2 is still out, if that's your thing. Uh, yeah, we have, we did, I did watch, did watch the Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special. Man, that is really fun. <laughs> it really was. I really enjoyed it. Um... The songs were really good. It was surprising. Uh, I like. I was. I was thoroughly impressed. Honestly. <laughs> well, I was too, and then I kind of had to check myself and be like, "Oh, well, James Gunn did did like he did make this. Like, this is his wheelhouse. These are his characters. This is his story. So of course, it wasn't going to be awful. But it, it is kind of a weird thing where you're kind of like, why did I enjoy that? Oh, right. Like, I it, I should. <laughs> I think it's because it was just, it's silly, goofy, and also, like, it felt right at home in the Guardians universe. Exactly. It felt, it, it fit in perfectly as something that would happen in their story. So we got a few minutes here. I do want to touch on one other thing. It's a funny moment. On HBO Max, I was watching the other day, and there's a documentary called The Vow. Mm-hmm. And it's about the Nexium. uh... Sex cult with Allison Mack, the whole thing. A bunch of people went to jail over it. A uh, couple of interesting, weird pop culture notes. The guy who was running it, one of his, uh, you know, sister brides or whatever was going on there, is the heir to the Seagram's fortune, or one of the heirs to the Seagram's fortune. So while she's in this cult, she inherits two hundred and fifty million dollars, and immediately that's like their money to use, like to sue people and to do terrible things and be awful and have their own little community and their own land and stuff like that. But I thought that was interesting. Also, what a a weird thing to have. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also in the second season, it covers like what's going on during the trial and like during the trials and all the different stuff that's going on. And it follows a lot of the members who are still on the guy's side. Because not every member agrees that he's a criminal, by the way. That's what makes it an interesting story. There's a lot of people who are like, we do a lot of good, so like this isn't fair, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> One of them is this girl who... Um, <laughs> it's just funny to me. So they actively post-trial for the leader guy. There's a group of members who seek the prosecutor out and they give the prosec- to give her a, a an affidavit to sign that promises she didn't fabricate evidence, the uh, didn't lie or mislead the jury. It it basically asks like five times if she didn't play any tricks in court, and she's and then she it's you need to sign by penalty of perjury. It's an affidavit; you can't lie on it. Well, she doesn't accept it from him. She's like, there's no there's no there's no legal basis for this. And she also notifies the defense's attorneys that they need to corral this or she'll make it part of their case and make this 
mark this as harassment to the prosecution and add more charges. So the defense attorneys like scramble to get a hold of everybody and tell them to kind of calm down. Well, one of the girls that they've been following is his is one of his girlfriends or sister wives or whatever they are. And uh, her lawyer sends her an email that says, I can no longer represent you because you keep refusing to follow my advice. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Really looking out for the better man here. <laughs> I've always heard about that. Like, I've always heard about lawyers who are like, I'm not going to, if you don't do what I say, I'm not going to, you know. But I've never actually seen an example publicly of a lawyer being like, nah, this guy is not listening to me at all. I'm out. Like, even during the Trump presidency, he went through a bunch of personal attorneys because someone would come on and say, like, uh, you know, I'm going to defend him from this and this and this. And then they'd be like, ah, you know what? Like, it's just not working out. Like, we're going to move on. And I guess in hindsight, they were actually saying, like, he's not listening to me and I don't want to look like a loser when this goes to trial, so I'm out. Uh, But, like, yeah, for the girl to sit there and be like, she starts crying. She's like, I don't know what's going to happen to me now. Because earlier in the documentary, she says, even right now, the FBI could still decide to charge me, so I have to be careful how I do all of this. And in my head, I was like, I think that means that I wouldn't do it. Like <laughs> <laughs> That 100% means you should stop doing what you're doing right now. Yeah, if you think the FBI might still charge you for it, don't do it. Like, just... Leave it there. You don't have to. You're not obligated to do that. But I guess she felt like she was. But, uh, yeah, I had never seen an actual, like, it actually happen. And so I was, I laughed, and then I was kind of fascinated. And then I was like, I mean, yeah, I guess if I was a lawyer, I wouldn't want anything to do with that either, right? Like, nah, nope. It's more trouble than it's worth. <laughs> it is, and it only hurts your 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 bottom line or whatever you say whatever you call it like it just affects your win loss record yeah your reputation um but i guess so does leaving you might have a reputation of like i defend crazy people well yeah yeah that's gotta hurt it too you're right like you're the lawyer who cuts and runs but if you cut and run because they don't listen, I think that that's probably fair. And that probably gives you credibility when you tell the next guy, like, look, if you don't follow my directions, I'm out. Yeah, and be like, look, I tried. I really did. Right. Like, I had a case here. Um. Yeah, but, like, it's it's a terrible, like, the, doc, the guy is terrible. The guy goes, he gets 200, or he gets uh, 123 years in jail or something like that. Like, Ugh, that's a lot of years. It is. It's bad, though, like. When they finally get them all caught up on everything, there's some there's some child inappropriate images. There's all kinds of allegations of like young women stuff. There's all kinds of just bad like, things. He just he just has twenty life sentences all stacked in a row. It's like you yeah. will be in jail forever. But it's just I mean, it's a really fascinating documentary because it start like even in the eighties, he was accused of fraud and somehow people still find him credible to this day. Because Corey, you're just a non-believer. You just don't understand. And that's basically what they say. And that is how they get you in. And I understand that, but it still blows my mind that that works. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it still blows my mind when someone's like, uh, I know that they do have a fraud charge, but that's because the state was just jealous of them. And it's like, you know what? You're right. I believe you 100%. And they're like, really? <laughs> and you're like, no. <laughs> no, not at all. 
All right, Nico, quick yes or no. We'll get further into this next week's episode of Nerd Thug Radio. Are you excited about James Gunn taking over the DC Universe? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Are you sad that that means more than likely we won't get more of The Rock as Black Adam? That's fine. I it's fine. Wow. Okay. You don't you don't think I I thought the Black Adam was good at least, and I liked the JSA that they introduced. I thought it was a neat way to introduce. Them. And he's the and he's honestly like the perfect casting for that character. Yeah, he really is. He he's a great Black Adam. Like. But eh, like, if I'm choosing one thing or the other, as much as I love The Rock, James Gunn is just proven to be just such a talented director, and with like a good, what DC needs is leadership, and if he can provide that, I'm all for it. That's a fair point. Okay, all right, I, I agree with that. I think that that's probably, yeah, that, I I would say that. I think he. He's shown that he can put together an interesting story already. He's shown that he's a good storyteller. The movies have been great. Um, the one movie that he did with the superheroes that wasn't quote unquote successful, Suicide Squad Two, you know, they released it on HBO Max during the pandemic. So yeah, that's like it's it's quote that's the one thing I never understood. They were like, oh, but Suicide Squad flopped. It's like yeah, except everyone who saw it was like, his movie's great, and it flopped yeah. because it's on a streaming service. Like. That's not it's his fault. Made, <laughs> it still made two hundred million dollars somehow. So yeah. So like, I hate that argument. The the movies flopped. It's like no one was watching movies. Of course it flopped. It really people are just now starting to get back to movies. When Top Gun, Top Gun is really. This is going to be such a weird thing, like a weird footnote of Tom Cruise's bi- bi- biography. But he kind of brought back going to the theaters with Top Gun. Yeah, because they, they forced people. And I, I told you this would happen, because they kept doing those weird simul releases where they would release things on stream and Yeah, the no, theaters. for sure. And eventually, they were going to have to just get back to and I was like, get into I the was theaters. Like, they just got to release movies. it in theaters, and you fought me every every step of the way. <laughs> well, I, I, for some of these, I don't think that there's any need to. I think they're happy doing these weird simul things, because the number's low enough. But with Tom Cruise, Tom Cruise is not about to let them move put a movie on. That's my I'm, point. It just now went to Peacock. Like, I watched it, and it was great, but that's why I watched it was on streaming. But it just now came to streaming, just in the end of December. And that's because Tom Cruise, he's not playing around. That guy is going to hit his box office numbers, or he's not making a movie. So, more than anyone else, he has a reputation to uphold, and he does have enough leverage to get these things out here. The studios probably loved it, because they got to say people didn't make enough money and still release the content. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, in all of those deals, I'm sure there's like a, you get X amount for for this, and you get more if you make more, and then because everything was coming in at the lower thresholds, I'm sure they were thrilled. They were like, great, we'll pay out the bottom fees, and we'll be done. Uh, yeah, but, we made zero dollars this year. You're a multi-billion but, dollar movie company. Yeah, well, everything we made was a failure. Only $700 million. It's that Warner Brothers guy. That's the worst one. All right. We're going to jump out there. We're going to thank everybody for welcoming us back to 2023. We hope everyone has a great year. Nerd Thug Radio is going to be doing a lot of interviews with creators and comic book people. We're here to celebrate the industry and pop culture, and we're going to keep talking about the things that we like. So we hope you tag along and enjoy uh, those things with us. Thanks for listening. I'm Corey DLG. That's producer Nico. We'll be back next week.